0: Why do we gather here, Sunday by Sunday, go through the ritual, sing a lot of the same songs, songs that we know very, very well, songs that we don't know very well, and we gripe because we have to sing them. We, we hear words of scripture. We hear the uh, pastor fulminate from the, from the pulpit Uh, We greet one another in love, we sing the closing hymn, and we bless each other as we go forth. Why do we do this? In the passages that we have before us this morning, there is something very illustrative about worship, the reason we worship, and how worship ought to really proceed. Why do we do it? according to the word here, it says that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws in the parlance of our own day in order for us to do his will, to understand it and to follow it. Something interesting to do if you're a student of the Bible or would like to understand the Bible a bit better is to see how the Bible interprets itself, especially if you have a passage in the New Testament that refers back to a passage in the Old Testament. See whether or not the New Testament is faithful in repeating that passage, word for word, or if there is a difference in it uh, as uh, or in in the translation and so forth. So you get some idea as to how careful people were, or by their choice of words. Uh, from different, uh, in in the different translations or the different uh, passages, you get some idea as to the bias of the writers. And we have one in the Psalms, and we have one, of course, out of the uh, Old, Old Testament, the Pentateuch. How does the Bible interpret itself? We shall see, I think, very, very well what the writers of each side had in mind. You must keep in mind that there is over 400 years, 400 years between Moses and David. How long do we remember? You know, uh, 1776. And now it's very difficult to get anybody out to anything on the Fourth of July that has anything to do with the struggle for independence. We have a fairly short memory, I think, in this land of ours, but I would suggest to you that these Jews worked overtime to keep their memories alive. Keeping that in mind, I would also remind you that 33 centuries exist between Moses and Martin Luther King, 33 centuries. And yet, black pastors all over this land, I can predict to you at some point in their remarks this morning, will tell some part of the story of the Exodus and how God raised up Moses and delivered us. They will also talk about the fact that we were once slaves in the land of Egypt and God came and freed us. They know very well what that means to them. When we were once slaves, God came and freed us because the process is ongoing. It's part of the life that that we live. And it's also really the story of, of Moses and the Israelites and so forth is the story of our life. Our life we were once slaves we were once pinned down we were once without hope we were once discriminated against we were once this 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 whatever happened in our experience their history we appropriate as being our history the God that led us out the God that fed us miraculously when we really didn't have much to eat the God that heard our voice, the God that responded and brought us hope. Psalms 105 gives us some instructions on worship and what we maybe ought to be a little more faithful in doing when we put our worship together. Here, verse 5 of 105, "Remember, Remember the wonderful works that he has done his miracles, and the judgment that he uttered. Remember the lessons that you learned. Who was it that said history is bound to be repeated by the fools that refuse to learn from it? Remember the lessons that he learned. And remember the miracles. The instructions of worship. In the last part of that chapter, the psalmist's description, with a whole lot of poetic license, about what happened. Those of us that were in Sunday school and those of us that heard, it's almost like they're talking about different things. But there's enough thrown in there to where you can hit your mind on it. The psalmist says, he brought us out of Israel with silver and gold. We don't have any reference in that first account that they came out of there with their pockets full. The Jews had a way in those days and in these days too. To be able to melt down their gold, they had it under their robe. They might have a big plate melted into gold, this plate. Formed and stick it under there, and they can escape the Germans. They can escape into another land, they have their wealth with them, wealth with them. And I would imagine that that's something that they learned and they did and, and happened there, so that there was some silver and gold, and there, there and then the next one is there was no man among, among their tribe who stumbled. Well, that's poetic license. They were stumbling all over the place especially at Mount Sinai when God took uh, Moses up into the hill and, and gave him the Ten Commandments. Egypt was glad that they departed. That's probably an understatement, for the dread of them had fallen upon it, upon Egypt, with all the plagues and everything that had gone badly for them. Let's get these people out of here. We are tired of these folks. We'll get along without them sometime. He spread a covering, spread a cloud for a covering, and fire to give light by night. We had that cloud over us for shade, and we had that pillar of fire so that we could see and we could have some security. And he gave them, and he asked, they asked, and he brought quails and gave them food from heaven when i was pastoring in the black church we had dinners uh, frequently and my how they would have dinners and i was uh, amazed how often we had uh, cornish hens cornish hens stuffed with wonderful rice i don't know how they put all that together the cornish hens and and i was you know about one out of every oh Two or three meals would be Cornish hens. Why the Cornish hens? And then it finally occurred to me, it finally occurred to me, the quail out in the desert. And part of that church has retained that tradition. And so we have Cornish hens. Not heavy on turkey, but Cornish hens. Keeping the faith alive, gave them food from heaven in abundance, manna. Now, they still have manna in the black church. The only thing they call it is lemon pound cake and vanilla ice cream. (laughs) Manna from heaven, manna from heaven. If you don't go out of there feeling lifted, something's wrong with you and having appreciation for the skills and the people are doing the cookings, but also recognizing the great tradition of of eating well and that manna that was fed to us when we were in the desert. As you sit there, look to the left, look to the right, and behold a miracle. Come on, look around, look around. Behold a miracle. Behold a miracle. Each of us has a history and can tell a story replete with miracles. I would share just about this this about my mother who uh was uh, born in Moldova a part of the Ukraine part of a German colony over there they were invited in by Catherine the Great and Peter and it wasn't long when they until they decided that hey we're a little bit more than than you know slaves here about the time we get ahead a little bit, get something, here they come and take it away. Slaves In a foreign land. And it wasn't long until they decided the Bolsheviks were gaining power and they decided we had better get out of here. Now here is the miracle. I had Gordon uh, Remington. I want to call it Winchester, but that's not quite right. Gordon Remington. Do a little historical thing on the family uh, on my mother's side. And I knew that my mother did not come over uh, with uh, her parents. She came over earlier. And she came over, and I remember this being told, being told this, as an indentured servant, really. And she also told how they scattered ahead of the revolution over there, hiding in graveyards, hiding in tombs, until they could get over to what is now Poland, and then finally to Hamburg, where they got uh, got passage on Kaiser Wilhelm der Große Now what I would like to know and this is where the miracle comes in who was it that advanced the money for my mother my mother's passage on the Kaiser Wilhelm I think I can get Gordon Remington to kind of ferret that out because he knows which families went to which towns in North Dakota and all of that. A miracle that there was somebody there that didn't want my mother left behind in Egypt and paid to bring her out. And that was followed by another miracle. Where in the heck did dad get the money to buy her out of the servitude? Money wasn't that easy to find. I suppose dad took a look at mom and said he's worth it, so he probably mortgaged the saddle and and sold his horse or something. I don't know. But at any rate, he bought her out of the servitude. The mother was there. Miracles. Miracles. Now, you back up on that. Had neither one of these miracles happened, I wouldn't be here today, I can tell you that. Now, I invite you to, to look at the miracles within your own life. What are those miracles that that, that came together in a, in, in, a, in a mysterious, sometimes uncanny, sometimes pedestrian way that, that caused you to be who you are today with the values that you have today, with the family that you have today. Miracles. The feeding of the heavenly bread was just one among many in the course of the history of Israel. And also, To be fair about the whole thing, I must say this. A miracle is just half of the story. Because a miracle carries with it, what shall we say, the commandment or the insistence or the urging to a life of obedience. Who are you today? You are a miracle, but you're more than a miracle. You are hard work. Hard work. Miracles are often the prelude to hard work. The children of Israel crossed into Canaan land, and what did they have to do? They had to settle, and they had to take the land and again, I love the poetic license of this, poem, this psalmist who is now referring back to that earlier experience when he said, well, he brought his people out with joy. Some of them had joy and I think some of them were wondering, what in the heck are we doing and why are we here? His chosen ones were singing. I suppose there was a lot of singing. But he gave them the lands of the nations. Well, that's an understatement. They took it. They took it. And they took possession of the wealth of the peoples. Now, you know, I'm not one to deride the Bible or, or whatever, but let's be aware here that that. These Israelites played fast and loose with their history, and they let's put it another way, they elevated those things that they wanted to elevate in order to keep the whole thing going. But the worship. We do these things so that we might be able to understand and do God's will. When you gather around for worship and you remember your histories, where God has brought you through when you thought you were down for the count, remember all those miracles. There's a song we used to sing, and I think the choir gets into it once in a while. We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. We've come this far by faith. Every single one of you, as you sit there this day, have come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. All of us leaning on the Lord and miracles, miracles helping us along the way. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, all of these miracles have led us to this place. And this place, in and of itself, is testimony to miracles and hard work. We thank you, O Lord, for the miracles. And we thank you, Lord, for the work to do. In Jesus' name we pray.